0: I wish it was the 99 cent special, you know, but (laughs) it's panoramic financial planning and all right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the essential podcast today. We're going to cover seven essential questions that you should ask your financial advisor.
1: Yeah, Tommy, these are good questions, whether you maybe have an these of your existing advisor, or maybe you're interviewing a new advisor, something you should incorporate into the discussion.
0: Yeah, and these actually originated with Dave Ramsey and somebody on his team, Chris Hogan. They're very passionate about you partnering with a financial advisor to see success in your financial plans. And as part of the Smart Investor Program, they encourage you to use these questions to see what your advisors like what they think how they operate and so we're going to elaborate on them today because we are part of that program and get asked these questions all the time so Matt's going to role play with us here he's going to do the honors of being the prospective client and just ask these seven questions that are on this interview list
1: all right Tommy so first question here is number 1 what do you love about your
0: job yeah probably the most important question you know you don't want to be talking to somebody that is not passionate about what they do and we can certainly say that our whole team here is very excited every day to get up and come to work. We enjoy the impact we get to have on people's lives, the ability to make things simple and understandable. It's such a complex and abstract topic so to kind of make it tangible and to make it easy to understand, see that light bulb go off for people is just really, really rewarding. And then You know, this is kind of the cliche, but it's the relationships, right? It's getting to know people, hearing their story, helping them write that story, specifically in regards to their financial independence. It's something that I'm extremely passionate about, and we try to help people identify what they're passionate about, what their purpose is if they don't already know, and structure their financial lives around that to help accomplish those things. But not everybody is fortunate to have their career or their job be part of their calling or part of their purpose. And I truly believe that this is part of my calling, part of my purpose. And as a result, it's super rewarding.
1: Well, Tommy, that explains a lot then. I've seen on your website, obviously, you're talking about the essential formula. So what you're helping me do
0: is focus on what's essential to me. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, the premise here is to distinguish the vital few From the trivial many, like how can we help you identify what is truly essential, build a plan to help you start working towards achieving those things, and empower you to live your life without getting bogged down in all these details. So it's very liberating for our clients. They seem to really thrive after we kind of empower them to go live their lives, and we love being delegated this responsibility. It's an honor. Stewardship is our part of our philosophy. We'll go into that in a few minutes, but it it
1: truly is rewarding. So you talk about building a plan, Tommy. The next question I have is, what services are you actually providing?
0: You know, what do they encompass? Yep, yeah, this is probably my favorite question because I feel like this is where we can differentiate what we do in the marketplace. So most people engage with us and they're focused exclusively on wealth management. So that's why they come in, they're interested in, Learning what funds to pick or if they're in the right investments or what things cost or how they've performed. And while all of that is very important, wealth management is really just a commodity, right? And what I mean is you can get that anywhere. And so while it's very important, you know, we'll say kind of it's the engine that drives the car. I mean, what type of vehicle you need and how fast you need to go and what types of comfort or features you want or all the other things, right? So what we talk about are our seven essential pillars. These would encompass all of the services that we provide for a client. This would be over the lifetime of the relationship and even into the second and third generation. And wealth management is the first pillar. The second would be risk management. The third is legacy planning. The fourth is tax planning. Then we go into philanthropy cash management. And then lastly, it's our value-added services, which includes all of our education and client service and experience items. And so we'll talk about maybe all of these in a future podcast, but this is an important part of the conversation and really outlines all of the services that we provide and really includes so much more than wealth management that it's an important part of the puzzle. So it sounds like you're focused on a lot
1: of things even outside of investment management or or wealth management, as you called it. Talk a little bit about you know if if we decide to work with you, you'll be managing our money.
0: But what's your investment philosophy? This is a big question with a big answer, but the short version is that slow and steady wins the race, right? We want to maintain the right behaviors, maintain the right disciplines, engage in the right disciplines, and create an investment philosophy that governs our decisions. And these decisions all need to be made in context of what we're trying to accomplish how long we have to accomplish that goal, and it needs to consider other important things too, You know, diversification, asset allocation, standard deviation, alpha, beta, all these other kind of nerd things that we can get a little too deep with. All that's part of crafting an investment philosophy and, an, and a strategy, but at the high level, it's slow and steady always wins. Keep a long-term perspective and make decisions in light of what we're trying to accomplish and not be reactive to what's going on, what the trends of the market are, what the news is telling us we should do, but knowing what we're doing, remaining disciplined to continue doing that so we can achieve defined outcomes. Excellent. Well, you talk about not being reactive. The next
1: question I have is how are you going to communicate to me about my investments? Yep. So you
0: teed it up nicely for me there. We are very proactive in our communication. We're enabled to do that largely by all the processes that we've employed. So we don't find ourselves in this reactive mode where we're trying to respond to stuff that's going on. We're able to be in charge and take control and be be proactive with our communication. So we send out all kinds of commentary that is helpful based on what's going on. And then more importantly, things like this, the podcast, stuff to help us centralize your life, to edit out all the noise, all the junk, to help you focus on what does matter, to get organized. All that is part of our process and part of how we communicate to our clients. In addition to that, we do all the basic stuff too, right? We send out statements to report what's going on in the accounts, money that's moved or performance, what things have cost or what you've paid. And so, the communication is very steady, it's very regular and it's very important. So, you know, we talked about and what we love about our job about relationships. Tell me what relationship works well without lots of good communication. There's not one. So you're always welcome to contact us. We don't want anybody ever kind of wondering or being surprised. And it does happen from time to time. We're not perfect, but we're really striving for excellence in this area. And I'm thrilled with how we've been able to do it so far. So, Tommy, one of the things that
1: currently is going on, and everything you have sounds really good, uh, but I have a current advisor now, and they only call me when I call them. So how do I know that's not
0: going to happen if I work with you? Great question. And we hear that often where people like their advisor. they When they call them, they're responsive. If they come in, they have things prepared, but they feel like I initiated this and now I'm here and you're maybe recommending changes. You know, what's the motive? There's some, some questions there around all of that. And that's why we focus on being proactive so that you always know what's going on. And the process we have to make sure this happens is what we call our stewardship framework. So this is a process we've put in place that determines what kind of communications happen and how frequently they occur. This includes things like our strategy and tactical meeting. That's what we call review meetings, right? We say reviewing... It's just looking backwards, and you can do that. That's why we send statements. You can see what's going on. It needs to be a strategic meeting that's valuable to you and have a tactical slant where we're always looking forward towards critical financial events looking into the financial plan and considering options that will allow you to be work optional sooner or to give more to a charity or whatever is important to you. So to answer your question, Matt, our stewardship framework is really what governs this, and we have this as a printed document, as part of our process, part of our playbook that holds us accountable to what we're doing with communication specifically and how we treat our clients, how we respond to them, and so on.
1: All right. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit because we've talked about the services you provide, which sounds like there's a lot there. Um, the communication sounds like you got everything in order. The next question I have is, how
0: do you get paid? Another great question here, Matt, and one you should definitely ask anybody you consider working with. I think a lot of times people are looking for a published fee schedule when they ask that question, like a price sheet. And for us, it just doesn't really work that way. And that's because there's really no one size fits all solution. You know, we say often there's no square pegs and round holes. Everybody's situation is unique to them. And although we employ a lot of the same tactics and use a lot of the same strategies, they're customized for what people are trying to accomplish. So you may have a more complex situation that requires more hands-on, more time, more expertise, or you may have a very simple solution that we're able to provide. And so as a result, we have a lot of flexibility in this area and are able to do what's most cost-effective for the client, but still accomplish those goals. So we act as a fiduciary, but there are really two ways that this settles out. One is we can be paid a commission This would be comparable to a commission you'd pay for any type of product in this realm from anywhere else. Or we can be paid a management fee, which is a percentage of your assets. And there are pros and cons to both of those. We'll often have clients that have started on one side of that spectrum and ended up on the other. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It really depends on you and your situation and what's most beneficial to you in terms of fees and I wish there was an easier answer to that, Matt. I wish there were, uh, I wish it was the 99 cent special, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> it's panoramic financial planning and it's, it's going to vary based on what people need. Well, it sounds like Tommy, if
1: you're getting paid on a percentage of my assets, if my assets are growing, then what you're getting paid is growing. So with that in mind, how do you actually
0: elevate and measure the investment performance of your clients? So we monitor performance in light of the big picture. I think that's the most important way to start that conversation. You know, it's not only how funds are performing, what the rate of return is, you know, again, kind of back to wealth management. I mean, that's important, but it's not the main objective or the only objective. There are other things to consider, you know, what the risk tolerance of the client is, what they're trying to accomplish with that. Maybe other things that are on their radar in light of maybe taxes, like we talked about, in light of what the end goal for this is, maybe it's designed to outlive them and to pass to a charity or something. It's all dependent upon what the client's trying to accomplish. And I think this is an important place to elaborate a little bit on what's going on right now and seemingly in our industry. And it's this hyper focus on product, price, and performance. And, you know, I get why that's going on. We've had, as we stand now, kind of this record bull market, and people are seeing the headlines, and they've seen the performance happening. They've seen the growth in their 401ks. I mean, even just this year, after some pullbacks, we're still at these record levels. And so all of that kind of facilitates this unrest in people, and they think they're missing out or they feel like they're overpaying, they don't perceive the value. You know, we'll say that cost is only an issue in absence of value. And so they're working with the broker and they've got good funds and they're performing well and the price is low, but they just don't feel that way because they're not being communicated to, or they don't understand all the services that they're getting or that they'll grow into, you know, some of these things we've already talked about. So we try to shift the emphasis from product price and performance to something we think is much more valuable in the long run, and that is a philosophy, a planning strategy, and a process. And we've already talked about a lot of that already, so I want to elaborate much more. But those are the things that you should focus on In addition to performance, you don't want to be riding a sinking ship to the bottom of the ocean, right? You don't want all of your eggs in one basket and take on a lot of risk. You don't want greed to play a part in holding on to something that's not an appropriate investment or to reallocating what you have into things that aren't appropriate. You know, we want to constantly monitor what's going on, rebalance, consider market trends, and all those things are important, and they constitute good performance over a long period of time. But it's more the behavior. It's more the philosophy. It's more the strategy, the unique planning strategy. And then lastly, it's more of a process, the recipe, if you will, that we can put all these ingredients in, stick to the plan, and get these kinds of outcomes. So essentially, Tommy, what
1: you're doing then is you're not focused so much on a number but uh, more towards helping me reach my goals. And maybe I want to live that work-optional lifestyle. Maybe I want to give more money to charity, leave what I can to my kids, So all that kind of goes into
0: consideration of the performance. That's exactly right, because what's appropriate for you and what you're trying to accomplish could be totally different than what's appropriate for me and what I'm trying to accomplish. So a lot of the tools are the same. You know, we talked about Dave Ramsey and where these questions came from earlier. He's a big proponent, Chris Hogan is too, of growth, stock, mutual funds, and we're big believers in that and in active management. And so all those are kind of constants and how we filter what we use and then part of our due diligence process performance is a metric you know we look at funds performance and how they compare to their peers and their benchmarks and net of their fees and all those things are really important part of our due diligence process before we'd ever even recommend an investment but it's not always apples to apples I think that's the point you're trying to make what's essential to you what strategies tools funds investments do we need to curate and put together to accomplish that.
1: All right, Tommy. So thanks for that clarification. Last question. Can you tell me why the last
0: two clients you lost left you? A really good question that you should definitely ask. This will give you a lot of insight into maybe some red flags. If somebody's dodging this question, or if you see kind of a pattern in how they answer this with problems that maybe people are having with what they're doing, it maybe can help you avoid some pitfalls. And if anybody says they've not lost clients, they either haven't been doing this very long or they're just not being honest with you. But for us, it used to be that it was mostly a logistical issue. You know, They would move, relocate, different town, different state, even different country. But technology recently has eliminated that, so it's really, really become easy to communicate, stay in touch, and do this without being face-to-face. That's more of a rare occurrence. So the two most recent Clients that we've lost were both because they were exclusively focused on some of the things we just talked about: product, price, and performance. And they weren't interested in buying into our philosophy and the planning strategy and in our process.
1: So, Tommy, how do I find out if I'm aligned with? You know, your you talked about your process and your planning strategy and everything. How do I how do I figure that out? Or how do you determine that?
0: You know, that is part of what the introductory meeting is for. So the, the entirety of this conversation so far has been questions that you would have asked me or a financial advisor to try to gain clarity on what they can do for you and to learn about their personality and how they do things, how they approach things. But during the introductory meeting, we expound on our process and we're also trying to interview the prospective client, right? We want to make sure that there's a philosophical alignment because we know that we can't be all things to all people and that what we're trying to provide is not always a good fit. And so we're all allowed to evolve. And I think specifically that's what happened with the previous relationships that you mentioned. You know, we continue to pursue this path of process and eliminate the guesswork, you know, eliminate the questions, have the flow charts, the checklist, the processes, the things that professionalize the client experience. And so that's not for everybody. And we know that and we're OK with that. And so we help unpack what we do. Talk about our approach, talk about the process, answer these kinds of questions that you've asked today, and then learn more about you and what you're trying to accomplish. And then we take space at the end of the meeting and we talk with our team and consider what you're trying to do and see if it's a good fit for us, if it's in our wheelhouse and part of what we think we could really help with and add value to. And then you get to do the same thing, you know, take this information and think about it, digest it, discuss it, and then come back and say, hey, this is going to be a great partnership. Let's move forward. Fair enough, Tommy. And of course, I appreciate the time and energy that
1: went into answering these questions. So this concludes the role play here And in an effort to keep
0: things essential, Tommy. Why don't you wrap it up? Yeah, for sure. You know, these questions are meant to spark a conversation. That's what we try to do here today. So it's a little longer than usual. Appreciate you sticking with us to the end. Feel free to reach out if you'd like us to elaborate on any of these questions or give you more detail. We'd be happy to do it. Until next time, though, keep it essential. Thanks for sticking around after the music. We just have a quick disclosure for you. Securities are offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management, Inc., and advisory services are offered through S.A. Stone Investment Advisors, Inc.,